Hi, good morning. This is Iris, and I am talking today with Nicole Vasquez of The Shift in Chicago. I'm really excited to talk to Nicole um, because Nicole is doing community-based co-working in a neighborhood setting in a big city, which often tends to attract um, large co-working spaces in the downtown corridor. And um, I'm excited by what Nicole is doing because she's really focusing on providing uh, a great experience to her members, which includes connecting with each other and supporting each other. And I really think that that is the core of co-working um, and that value that she brings to her members is what I fell in love with about co-working. Um, I'm going to also say that I, I woke up this morning, I live in the US, and I woke up this morning with um, some, some feelings of not knowing how to feel excited about what I was going to be doing today and talking with Nicole, just given um, the state of things that are happening in the world right now. There's a lot of suffering going on. And what I had to remind myself is that co-working is doing amazing things, even amidst all of the hard times that are going on. And I want to point to an example happening in Dallas right now, where the co-working spaces and incubators have come together in Dallas um, to, uh, in the um, Open for Dallas project to provide a place for their community to come and to gather, um, to work, and I'm assuming also to find um, a place to meet with like-minded like people. And I love this about co-working. I love that in a time of need, co-working can reach out to its community and be there um, both for the external community as well as for the internal community. So I'm going to welcome Nicole now and look forward to chat chatting. Hi, Nicole. Um, I, we still have you on mute for some reason. Let's go ahead and get that fixed. How about now? There we go. How about, there you go. <laughs> Always going to have some sort of technical difficulty. <laughs> never the same without it. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. It's so wonderful. And I'm very moved by that open that you said. And I think there's so many things going on in the world right now. And I think it's really beautiful what they're doing in Dallas and how co-working spaces are a place for people to gather, not only to get work done, but to meet each other. And over time, when you're with people every single day, those connections can form. And I think that there is this like sense of almost duty that co-working spaces feel because they are a place in the neighborhood where people connect and, and ideas happen. And I think it's a beautiful thing, as you mentioned, for people to get together and, and help their neighborhood and their their people um, for for a larger cause. And I think that was really really moving, actually. Yeah, thank you. So I, you know, I really think so too. And I'm I'm really interested in what you're doing in Chicago. Um, I have a, a small amount of knowledge of the Chicago co-working scene, given that um, I used to work for Next Space and Next Space. Um, had a co-working space there that was one of the originally one of the oldest co-working spaces, um, the Coop, mm -hmm. and um, so I'm I'm somewhat familiar with um, the climate of co-working there. And so when I met you at Juicy, I was just truly fascinated, um, both by you <laughs> as a dynamic person making really good things happen, 
Um, and also by the innate understanding that you had um, that was something that we learned about Chicago actually from our, our mutual friend Sam Rosen that Chicago is very much a neighborhood city um, and it's it, it really is um, not necessarily cloistered but it really is um, something that people identify with the neighborhoods that they're from. Tell us why um, you decided to open a neighborhood co-working space instead of joining in with the co-working spaces in the downtown area where you know there's a sexy business address and there's access to you know all of the sort of civic things happening in the downtown area um, but also where you would be around other co-working spaces and so maybe um, not having to educate the market quite as much. Ooh, well, first, I'd, I'd say I wish I opened a place where I didn't have to educate people on co-working, but that was part of the challenge. But first and foremost, I mean, I saw an opportunity as, as any entrepreneur. I saw in Chicago that all of the spaces open downtown. And don't get me wrong, we have a thriving downtown area. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with opening downtown, um, but all of the spaces seem to open downtown and be concentrated there. And what I recognize is that the people who live just 15 minutes north of the downtown area, they had never heard of co-working, which means they didn't benefit from co-working. Um, and I was like, this this can't be. They're, we need to have these in the neighborhood. So first I saw the opportunity to bring you know, a taste of downtown to Uptown, which is the neighborhood that I lived in um, on and off for almost eight years. And I knew that even though I was a 15-minute ride from downtown, when I was done with work, I wasn't going to hop back on the train to go to an event downtown. Um, or even when I worked from home um, in the morning, I wasn't going to get ready just to go downtown um, if I could have worked from home. So mm -hmm. I noticed the opportunity. Um, two, my neighborhood is a very diverse neighborhood, um, economically, culturally. Um, I would that we had an opportunity to be a hub in the neighborhood, um, a place where people could come not only to work, but to learn and to meet each other. And then last, as you know, in a big city, you can be surrounded by people and there's apartments everywhere, but somehow you don't even know the person that lives across the way from you. Yeah. And it's so hard to meet new people. Um, and so I kind of had this cheesy uh, ver vision of building a modern day community center um, that was multifunctional. Um, so that was my, my original idea. And then I very quickly learned that I had to have a revenue stream, <laughs> not, just a, not just a a vision of having a happy place um, and I knew that co-working was the answer and that I think bringing it to the neighborhood level um, would make it a lot more approachable um, and bring in more people who weren't just web developers or, or freelancers um, people who just needed a place outside of the home to get work done um, in a productive professional environment so there was a few reasons Awesome. Um, I, I really like that you were talking about um, the community center idea of co-working, um, and I, I really resonate with that a lot. And um, when I first um, learned about co-working uh, in my town, and um, it was actually before the space had opened, we, uh, we had a community sort of in place that was actually looking for a home. And um, my friend Jeremy decided to open a co-working space. Um, and you know, none of us had ever heard of this thing called co-working before. This was back in 2008, but it sure sounded good. It made a lot of sense to us. And, and we did need a place to be together. 
And so then when, when I joined um, that co-working space, it was, um, it was quite an eye-opening experience for me because it really brought me back to my roots, which are in um, community. My parents are community activists and community organizers and, um, and part of um, the greater community where I grew up. And we had a community center and a co-op um, and community gatherings that we were very much involved in that my parents were leaders in. And so to me, it felt exactly like that, like that community center. Or if you're um, from a more rural background, you can also associate with the idea of a grange. Um, and in rural America, granges are were where people would go to um, you know, count livestock, have, hold auctions, have dances, um, meet with community members, go for refuge in the time in 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 times of need or you know, weather big weather events and things like that. And so I really started to feel like co-working centers or co-working communities were those new um, new granges in a lot of ways. Um, and and so I really love that that you coming from you know this neighborhood in Chicago saw that as well. And um, and and really, it seems to me. I mean, I haven't been to visit your space, but it really seems to me like what you're creating there is that community center. You, one of the, um, I was I was browsing through images on your site the other day, and I noticed that it looked like you had a fashion show at your yeah. co-working space. Oh, we've done it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me a little bit about this fashion show you had. Oh, you know what? Actually, it was one of our members. She uh, runs a company called The Hunt Shop, and her and her partner, uh, they love thrift store shopping, and they know that other people may or may not enjoy that process, and they know that if you put in the time, you can find good things. And so what they do is they say that we'll do the thrifting for you. And so what they do is they go to different thrift stores because they enjoy the process, they go and they find great stuff and then they have a collection together of the stuff that maybe somebody who doesn't want to spend the time at a thrift store would love to find. And so they, I think they buy it, they spruce it up and then they host pop-up events where they sell them. And as a member, um, I do everything I can for our members to help them promote their business. So we offered the space to them at a very, very discounted rate and they took it over and they had a pop-up like trunk show. Um, and it was really neat. And of course, we posted about it on social media. We included it in our newsletter because for all of our members, we I tell them we are like their PR company. We can we post anything that they want. Um, I tell them as a joke, like I'm like your mom. Send me stuff that I can brag about. Um, and so that was just one of the many uh, events that we've had um, based on our members' business. And that was a really fun one. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I love that story. <clears throat> so, we've done we've done it all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did a learn to make your own kombucha class. Um, if oh, you're familiar with kombucha, the fermented tea. So at one point we had 30 jars of these fermented mothers. They're called or you know, scobies, and uh, yeah. it was really it was really great. We we took photos and posted, and a lot of people had no idea what we were doing, but um, <laughs> but it was a sold out class, um, and that was really fun too. That's so fun. Um, those mothers can be pretty intense looking. So I love that you had 30 of them <laughs> in your, in your I th space. I think one, when you're growing your business, you, you know, you're open to everything, right? You want to do events, do classes and workshops. And I think that that's necessary as you grow your space to see what's going to last. Um, I'm also a geek for, for knowledge. I'll learn anything or, or try anything um, and I think you know being a continual learner for life is very important 
Um, but I also think like just the exchange of knowledge. We have a member uh, every two weeks where one of our members can volunteer to share their knowledge with the community. So one we just had yesterday was um, one of our members is a PhD in, in econo behavioral economics and he did a um, how to make decisions better and talked about the seven sins of decision making. So that was just, and then two weeks ago we had a chai tea tasting because one of our members is starting a tea company and he taught how to make authentic masala chai tea like he did um, growing up in India. And it's, I just feel blessed every day to learn new things and I think if we cultivate this environment where you encourage the exchange of knowledge and information amongst members, people start doing it without me getting involved. And that's when I really feel like a proud mom, um, <laughs> seeing members going up to each other and talking and helping each other and, and working on projects together. As you know, that's like the best. That's what co-working is all about. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the feel-good parts. Feel so um, I think we talked a little bit about this at Juicy, um, if I recall. Um, but I'm, I'm really feeling like with the big box co-working and with consumer co-working coming about, um, the need to um, su help sustain and foster the development of, of community-based co-working spaces, um, and I think neighborhood co-working spaces can um, can be one aspect of the community-based co-working space um, network. And I'm curious um, what types of t advice you have um, for people who are wanting to create more community in an existing space or build a space that is really about the community and less about the physical space? That's such a wonderful question. And I think I think about this all the time. I think first I want to say we don't need to fear the we have times people are worried, oh my gosh, we work there, they're gonna take everybody away from us. And and that's not the case. As you and I have talked about before, everybody has different workspace needs. There's some people that there's a guy that came into my space, he lives a block away, and he came in like three different times. He's like, I really want to work out of here. It's so close to my home, but all of my clients are downtown. And I said, well, I would hate for you to start moving, asking your financial industry clients to come all the north. They probably won't be your clients anymore. And so people need to find the best space that fits their individual needs. So immediately, having a neighborhood co-working space is not going to be it's not going to be the, the case for everybody if some people absolutely need to be downtown. So, so it's okay. There's no harm. Um, you know, it's not that big of a loss if they weren't going to be a client any, or a member anyways. Um, it's okay to let being said. Um, in terms of running a neighborhood community-focused space, it's simple. It's about people first versus the space. You know, the amenities are always great. Having a ping pong table or a keg or, you know, some other cool amenities are great. And it is, it adds to the environment. But no matter what, it's got to be people focused. And the things that you can do to make people focus is, number one, is to create an environment conducive to collaboration and to connections and to conversations and to sharing the knowledge. And you can do that with with how you run your day-to-day -day operations. Every morning I come in and I say good morning to our members and throughout the day I make sure that everybody who comes in, well I always say hello, hey Jen, how's your day? Or hey David, how are you? And follow up with the conversation we had before. Those are simple intangibles. But then taking it a step further is, is making sure that our members see me not only talking to each other, but introducing each other. So when a member first signs up, we do an onboarding process. So it's about a five, 10 minute 
time where not only do they sign like your your regular agreements and paperwork and get their payment set up, but I actually ask them three questions, which is, what are you working on when you're in this space? How can you help other people? And what are you looking for, whether it's people or knowledge or services? And throughout their membership, I try to find ways to connect them to other members or to help support them in, in whatever it is that they're working on or what they're looking to achieve. So that initial onboarding process sets the tone for the rest of their membership. It's also a great way for me to learn a lot about them in 10 minutes mm-hmm. because every other day that they come in after that, they're going to be getting to work. And they don't want a five-minute conversation with me about what are you working on what do you do for work are you you know and that's like the best opportunity because they're signing up and you get all the information up front and then those are your seeds for for the rest of their membership how to you know how do you how do you cultivate their growth within this space Mm -hmm. and then a few weeks after their membership i send them a personal email and i just say thanks again for being a member you know how's it going is there anybody that you're looking to meet um you know, if they had been an event or not, I'll remind them, you know, when our next events are. Um, and it's just little personal things like that. And then last is our member events. We do them every two weeks. I do a snack social in the beginning of the month and a member's lunch at the end of the month. We switch up the days and the times so that they Somebody can always attend no matter what, uh, uh, but they get to learn from another member who steps up and shares their knowledge with the community. So there's a lot of things that we do uh, that are the touchy-feely, fun, friendly things. Um, And I do think that that's exactly what not only keeps the space engaging, um, but it makes it a comfortable environment and, and a fun environment. But it also, from a business perspective, to be honest, it makes our members much more loyal. And they're our brand ambassadors. They we'll check in on Facebook when we're doing a show and tell and say, I'm learning from so-and-so here at The Shift. And I don't ask them to do that. They do that on their own. So not only from a sustainable business perspective is it is it great to be people-focused and not run your space like a robot and think that once they signed up, great, I've got them, and all I need to do is provide a space. Because if you don't have that human connection then your space is no different than a Starbucks or than their house or a library or a large space that doesn't have a people focus. Mm-hmm. They can they don't have to be loyal. If your space is just a space, they can find space anywhere. So yeah. make your space about much more than just the physical amenities. So I went on a tangent, but as as you know, this I could talk about this for hours. So five minutes <laughs> is probably the shortest I could do when it comes to this topic. Yeah, it was a great tangent. I loved it. <laughs> um, well, let's turn to some of the challenges that you faced, um, maybe through the very nature of putting together a neighborhood space, um, as opposed to, uh, you know, a, a bigger space with a, that, where you had a lot of money to invest in it, a lot of money on the build out, um, you know, a lot of money to guarantee the landlord. Um, Take us through some of those challenges and um, and and maybe how you overcame some of those. Oh, where to start? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think back and I'm I'm very grateful for the for the uphill battle that it was building up the space. Um, I'm also very stubborn, which is probably why I did it myself, <laughs> completely on my own and completely bootstrapped. And there's good and you know good and bad uh, with that. I definitely learned a lot very quickly. Um, I think the first challenge in itself is 
opening in a neighborhood that people didn't even know what co-working was. So how do you sell people the benefits of co-working if they've never even heard of co-working in the first place? Because they're not, they're certainly not Googling co-working spaces if they've never even heard of it, nor do they understand the benefits of it. Um, so the first is the education level. Um, and not only if they haven't heard of it, but um, if they don't understand the true benefits, which is not just the space, it's the connections and the being around other people and the motivation from, from seeing other people grow their businesses. So um, how, do you, how do you get them from, from level zero to level three where they're ready to sign up? So um, that was probably the, the first few months was the hardest, and it's, it's one by one. It's the people who were your earliest members they are your bread and butter and you, I mean, I, I, I feel like maybe at sometimes they were probably like, leave me alone. I'm trying to work. But I mean, you treat them the best you possibly can. And I think a big lesson I learned quickly on, um, I think I learned read it in one of the, some coworking article was, you know, we spend so much time on business development, looking ahead. Once we get a member, okay, on to the next, on to the next. But mm -hmm. those people that are already members are your brand ambassadors. So, mm -hmm. um, it was every single person that signed up. I, I I gave them as much attention as possible. I connected them as many people as I could, and those people in turn started to tell two and three people. Um, and as you know, in this business, it's referrals are going to be the number one. It's people telling their friends, "I'm working on this awesome space," um, and that's what's going to convert people to co-working much quicker than a really cool looking Facebook ad or being at the top of the Google uh, search results. It's, it's people's reviews. So I think the biggest challenge is, is building your community and it's boots on the ground type of a work. Every day you are working with members to give them the best experience so that they can um, tell other people. Um, that would probably be the first challenge. I think the second is, oh, where do I start? Um, I don't know, let me think. Let's talk operations, right? So we have a small space. It's twenty, a little bit more than 2,500 square feet, which most people would say that's crazy, um, but it can work. <laughs> um, is figuring out and is knowing at the end of the day that your space, you're a co-working space. So uh, although you try classes and workshops and events, um, you need to provide a great workspace for your members. Mm -hmm. And so if you're hosting a group of 15 in one corner while people are trying to work, that may or may not, that, that, that will not be a good work environment. So there's little growing pains like that. Um, and I think a great way to overcome that is through surveys and through feedback. So um, probably six months in and a year in, I sent out a survey to all of our members that said, you know, what are we doing right? How can I improve? You know, um, I'm saving up to do some improvements. What should I build? What should I fix? Um, which led to our renovations. And so I think feedback was a big one and, and being able to, to take those notes and actually imp implement them. Um, I think that was the biggest learning lesson. Um, yeah, I think those good. would be the, the two ones. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm also curious uh, about as you know, as a as an entrepreneur um, um, and uh, as co-working people, we support entrepreneurs all day. Um, but also as um, somebody who is the mother hen or, you know, the the person making sure everybody else's needs are taken care of, how do you 
keep from burning out? How did you keep from burning out and opening your space and in the, you know, in the ramp period? Um, and how do you do that now? Um, I am so happy to answer this question. Um, when I first opened my space, we were open seven days a week. We didn't have a lock on the door, so the door was always open during business hours. And we were open Monday through Sunday, so every day, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., which meant that I was there every single day. Um, and that was for about almost eight months and never had a sick day, never anything. So, so I was there. And if we were 8 to 8, it meant I was there from 7 to, you know, 9, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna be that person who says, you should have a work-life balance when you're building a business. I do think it's possible to do that, but looking back now, it's exactly what I had to do. Mm -hmm. I had to work that hard. And I'm, if you can have a work-life balance during that time, then, and then go for it. But during that time, I needed to hustle and I needed to do it. I knew that it wasn't sustainable and I knew that I didn't wanna do it forever, but that's exactly what it took. At eight months, I was able to save up and buy a lock for the door, but also knew that we wanted to be a membership-driven space and we didn't have to have drop-ins anymore. And I was ready for that. And if we had had that lock on the door from the beginning, in our neighborhood, people would never have popped in to learn about it. So it was the right timing for us. So at that point, after eight months, I started to be able to have a normal schedule, right? I could be there. My members could get in at 6 a.m. if they wanted to, and I, I was, I'm there during business hours. So at that time, it kind of went in tandem with, at that point, the business was done kind of with that initial hustle stage. We were in the growth stage and and, and I was able to start take, taking a step back and having more time for myself. And I absolutely believe in the work-life balance. And now I'm at my space from 9 a.m. in the morning, maybe more 8.30 a.m. And I try to leave no later than 6 or 6.30 p.m. Um, what I have learned very quickly this year is people, I don't know if you've ever read the four hour work week, but mm -hmm. I just read it like a, like a year ago, even though it came out years ago and it changed my life. And it's not about doing the least amount of work so you could sit on a hammock or lay in a hammock and, and not do work. The concept was to be as efficient and effective in your workday so that you can work smarter, not harder. And so what I do now is I get in in the morning and I do the most important things that will move my business forward in the beginning of the day. So by the end of the day at you know five or six o'clock, I'm doing things that are not high priority. They are more administrative. And so when I leave at 6.30, it's okay. And when I get home, for me to leave at 6.30 versus leaving at 7.30 or eight o'clock, it gives me an hour that allows me to come home cook dinner, have a, have a, like a, a decompression time versus if I leave it, if I, if I drag it out and I say, just another hour of work, just another hour of work. And at seven 30 or eight, I leave then I don't get home till almost nine o'clock. I'm cooking dinner and it's 10 o'clock by the time I'm eating and I go to sleep right afterwards. And that's not a good, a good cycle. So now I really value getting at work at a certain time so that in the morning I have my time to work out, have my cutoff time, Make sure I do my highest priority stuff in the morning so that when I do cut off at 6, 6.30, I'm not feeling like I'm turning my back on anything important. And then making sure I have that decompression time when I get home. For me, it's cooking and relaxing and maybe reading a book. And then if I want to go back to work at 9, 8, 9 p.m. on the computer, I can. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I don't. Mm -hmm. But I absolutely think it's it's necessary to have a turn off, like a turn down time. Um, and now I have my weekends again where I didn't have them the first eight months. So everybody has to go about it at their own pace. When you're starting a business, you might need to have that really insane hustling period. 
Um, but if you have good people around you, friends and family, um, they'll check in on you and make sure that you're eating and you're sleeping. Um, but to be sustainable and to be happy, healthy individual, you absolutely need to have time for yourself outside of your business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just as you build relationships with your members inside your business, you have to build relationships with your people outside your business. And if you, all you do is work, you're not building relationships. Um, I'm going through this with my kids right now and my friends, you know, I, I get to see my friends a couple times a month. It feels like unless I'm going to a coworking space and I'm seeing my coworking friends, you know? So, um, yeah, I think it's really important to to be able to make sure that we're doing all all of these things. Um, before we before we end, I want to just ask you um, what what has been your experience as a woman entrepreneur? Um, you know, as a woman opening a co working space in a big town, um, and and just in general, um, have you found that people are 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 easy to work with as a woman? Um, you know, how has that gone for you? Oh, that, I love this topic as well. You have great questions, Iris. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, I think being a woman, I think personally, internally and externally, there has been issues. You know, when I first started my business, I was, I could have been more aggressive with my landlord negotiating the lease. I could have been more confident asking people for help uh, when I was putting together my business plan, when I was applying for loans. Um, and I think I was afraid that if I asked, I would look like that damsel in distress woman. You know, I can't, because people had already said, you're, you're doing it by yourself. And I don't know how many people ask, well, who's your partner? There's one real estate uh, agent that I was touring a place, and he says, oh, is your, who's, so who's going to sign with you, your husband or your, or your dad? And I just walked out. I, I won't tell you what I said to him. But I, so, so those were the internal struggles that I've very quickly gotten over um, because I've surrounded myself by other women entrepreneurs. Here in Chicago, we have a lot of groups, groups like Miss Tech, Women Get It Done. There's so many supportive uh, groups for women in business, and they have helped me immensely not only to um, become more confident and to learn quickly, but to help other women um, and to be a support system for them. So internally, um, there's definitely struggles, um, but there's ways to overcome that. And I can't stress enough how important it is to, to surround yourself by other people who are either going through the same thing as you um, or have done it. And then also to give back and help people who are just starting out. Um, in terms of externally, um, Again, I think I'm really stubborn, so it might, I, I might even miss the things that, that um, have been thrown at me um, being a woman. <laughs> so um, I've probably just like right over my head, I'm like, what? Why can't I join this game? Why do I have to do it? Um, I think in terms of investment and, you know, I'm in the process of opening a second location, and now for the second location, I am looking for investors and um you know, there's so many conversations about how it's hard for women to negotiate and it's hard to, you know, if you're going to ask for money, have a man at the table and half of me says, screw that. <laughs> I'm going to show that you don't have to. And the other half of me thinks, gosh, I can't, if that is the case, like, you know, who, who should I turn to to talk to about that? And, and why do they say that? And what do I need to learn before I go into a room full of, you know, possible investors that I can, um, you know, it's always a learning lesson. So, but the, the bottom line is if there's ever a challenge, it's, it's asked for help and, and you can overcome it. Yeah. Thank you. 
Great. Nicole, I, re I really appreciate um, you agreeing to talk with me today. And I just love what you're doing. And I hope I get to talk to you again soon. Um, congratulations on your next space. Thank you. And I, I know that it's going to be amazing. And I look forward to the next time I'm out in Chicago coming and touring both. I hope so. And I hope it's very soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. That's a just great not, town. Just not in the winter. I wouldn't no. do that to you. No, I, 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 my first time actually ever in Chicago, I was there in a crazy snowstorm you guys had, and it was eight degrees during the day. It was pretty amazing. So. Yeah. As you can see, we're completely crazy here. <laughs> Legitimately nuts. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you very much. What a pleasure. Have a good one. You too. Thank you so much for joining us today, and um, we'll be back next week, and I'll be talking with Stephanie Bermudez about creating co-working internships, doing so um, in a way that benefits both the intern, the community, and the business, and um, Stephanie has put together a really amazing internship program for CoShare that we're piloting over at CoShare. And so if you have any questions about how to go about building an internship program, um, please tune in and send them on over and we'll get started answering those questions. See you next Friday at 10 a.m.